and that is going. All right, welcome to episode 146 of Auto Off Topic. What's up, Brad? Not too much, Andrew. How you been? Haven't talked to you in like a week. Yep, and I almost just dropped my laptop laptop off the table because I'm trying to like good. balance here so I can see the notes. Yeah, this is our first uh, officially remote podcast. Yes, so please feedback. Yeah, even uh, if it's negative. Hopefully, I mean, there's no delay, so we're not stepping over each other at the moment. So that's at the good. moment we're good. Yeah. Um, but let's just get into it. What, uh, it was like a week ago I saw you and then we actually met some family in Buffalo and we went to Niagara Falls. And we'll then... start with, we went, we all drew up to Maine for a wedding. Oh, right. Right, right, right. Because that was with the wedding of one of our former guests. Oh yes. AJ Vega. I did want to talk about that. Yep. Yep. And he had he was on probably about a year ago, yeah, maybe a little little less, a little more. No, about a year ago, yeah, I some, think. About a year ago, because he was in he was down this area because I had picked up a Dodge Raider for him in North Carolina, and dragged it up to Massachusetts for him, where he took it to Maine from there. So he was here about a year ago picking up that particular um, V6 Dodge Raider. Which he obviously took and swapped to a diesel from the Shogun that he had. So he basically frame swapped because he had a rusty bodied Mitsubishi Shogun, which is an English version of a Montero um, with a turbo diesel. And it was right hand drive too. It was right hand drive, yep. He did not swap over the right hand drive part of it. He made the vehicle left hand drive to be more. It's actually pretty cool normal. that way. Yeah, so it has all the good parts of the English one. Yep. It has the turbo diesel, um, and he managed to source a uh, PTO assembly for the turbo diesel as well that he put onto it. Mm-hmm. And he put on the good, rust-free uh, North Carolina shell, so it's a short wheelbase shell, Yep. onto the chassis, which was in good shape. And obviously, when he had the body off, he cleaned it all up, painted it all up, made it all real nice. So his goal was to have it done in time for his wedding. And... Uh, he had it done well before his wedding, so his new goal was to have the car freshly painted by his wedding, which he did as well. <laughs> yeah. So that was really neat. Um, cool. But yeah, so it was a, a nice wedding with him up in Maine. Um, not a lot of car stuff going on that weekend other than just being a wedding for a few car people. Right. Um, and we did see a night Rider replica driving on the streets of Maine. Oh, Yeah. Which that was, was so a, random. Yeah, it was really random. <laughs> like a full-on Night Rider replica, red light in the front and everything. Yeah, that was it really was, strange. It was pretty terrible, but whatever. It was definitely it was definitely of note to see something like that just driving around in the middle of nowhere, Maine. Like, it's not something you expect to see. No. In fact, just to jump forward a little bit, I literally drove the entire, like, almost all the way across the country the following week. I didn't see anything as random as that. Weird. So, anyway, yeah, so that was Maine. Then we took separate cars to Niagara Falls. Right. Um, because I was with Naomi, and you were with Stephanie. Yep. But I was packed to move across country from leaving there. Yep. So we met some family. Of Stephanie and um, Naomi's. They're Stephanie from Oklahoma. 
Yep, they were driving to the East Coast to visit yep. with you guys for a week. Right. So we met there as like a meeting point, cross paths, see them before we left. So we had the car literally overpacked. Right. Uh, this is my Volkswagen. Yeah. The uh, turbo diesel Jetta. Um, I had, well, the back seat was for the dog because he was going to be in the car for a long time. So we figured, hey, we better give him you know enough space, not cram him in there. So I didn't fold the back seats down. I just left the back seats normal. Um, and we bought one of those. It's almost like a hammock for the dog that goes in the back. But it mm-hmm. doesn't, uh, maybe, maybe a hammock's the wrong word because it doesn't like float above the seat. It sits on the seat. It's almost like a big box. Yeah, but they go up the sides. So it's kind of like a hammock, but it's just supported by the seat. Correct. I have one for Enzo too. They're nice when we have one for the Crosstrek because if you somebody stops short in front of you, they don't fall in between the front seat and the back seat. They just kind of land in the thing. Right. Well, what it does is it sits on the seat and it attaches to the back of the front seat headrests and the back of the back seat headrests. So it's supported that way. So I guess that part of it kind of would be a hammock if they go forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the sides actually attach up to the grab handles in the rear of the car so that it pulls it up in front of the door panels. So when the dog jumps up on the door panels, he doesn't scratch the door panels. Theoretically. Yep. Obviously, it's not perfect, but it's it's a uh, it's an added measure of protection, but it's not perfect. I mean, you have a dog in the car, you're still going to get, like, there's just no way around it. Right. It's, he's a dog. Um, so he was in the back of the car in the back seat, which he seemed to like pretty well. He didn't have any issues the whole time back there. Um, I made it a point not to have him in the car at all in that particular car without the hammock thing in the back so that he would feel like it was like, that's just the way this car is. <laughs> like I yeah. have no issue with this. So he did really good in the back of the whole way. Actually, you also, there's a, um, a thing that attaches to the seatbelt that also attaches to his, whatever you, you know, put his leash on, um, in order to keep him generally in place in the back of the car. I wouldn't call it a seatbelt. Um, but in like a panic stopping situation, he can only go so far. He won't like fly through the front, his front seats. So that's good. Right. Um, then the back of the car was full of a few, one large size and one medium size Home Depot box, all the soft luggage, um, food, drinks, all that stuff for the trip. Then we had a roof rack with a basket on it. And in the basket, I had one of those waterproof bags that was filled with my laundry. Well, not laundry, but clothes, I should say, because it wasn't dirty laundry. I didn't drag dirty laundry all the way across the country. Did it keep it waterproof? It did. Everything stayed dry. It was, I mean, legit. It was a, It's the cheapest waterproof bag you can buy. They sell them at Walmart for like 70 bucks. Um, it has tons of space in it. Like every, I, every article of clothing I own that's not a winter jacket was in that thing. And uh, it stayed dry the whole way. So that's good. We drove through some pretty heavy rainstorms too, so highly recommend that piece. Um, I don't know the name of it because I didn't look it up first, but it's the one at Walmart. Right. Literally like a universal like rooftop bag. You technically don't even need a rack system for it. It comes with clips and things to attach it to the insides of the doors and just lay it on your roof. Ooh. Obviously, that's <laughs> not recommended because if you care about the paint in your roof, you don't want to do that. Right. 
Um, but if you had an old crappy car, it would work just fine. Um, I wanted to do... Then the other way to do it is you can actually support it by the roof bars and mm-hmm. have it like hanging in between the two roof bars, which I also didn't want to do because of damaging the roof of the car. So I used, obviously, the Thule basket on top of the roof racks. Um, and then strap it down with basically ratchet straps to the Thule roof, bags, uh, roof basket, and it was perfectly fine. Cool. Um, yeah, I do want to talk about my roof racks, though. Yeah. Because I have multiple sets of Thule crossbars. Yeah, all the square bars. Yeah, obviously, in order to put the square bars onto the roof of the car, you need to have adapters that go onto the rails. Right. It's a pretty universal setup. Every car with the front-to-back rails on the left and right side has the same kind of, like, they almost, like, strap onto it. It's like a rubber strap around the bottom of a metal upright. Yeah, this is... Crossbar goes through it. Yeah, it's like all modern cars. Yeah, all modern cars that have those roof bars. Yeah. Um... So I found some, they're like $200 for a set of four, which is not cheap, but also, I mean, it is what it is. That doesn't come with the crossbars. That's literally just the four uprights. So I was like, whatever, I'll find a set used maybe, and then I'll be good to go. So it was like two days before we're getting ready to leave. And I had found a set a couple of days prior. And the guy was like 45 minutes away, but they were only $70 for a set of four used ones. So I was like, all right, cool. Um, I emailed back and forth with them. I found them on our favorite Facebook marketplace. Um, I emailed back and forth with them a few times and verified that they were the correct ones. Drove all the way out there in the middle of rush hour traffic to get there and realized that they were the wrong ones. They don't fit on roof bars. Uh, it's so annoying. So now, yeah, super annoyed. So I go and I'm talking to the guy and I was like, yeah, these definitely are wrong. He's like, well, do you still want them? And I'm like, no, I absolutely don't. These look like they fit like a Corolla or a Civic. And he goes, yeah, they were on a Corolla. (laughs) There you go. So why don't you look and see what the fit kit for the Corolla is and then find out what the part number for that is and advertise it that way because then you'll probably sell them. So now I'm panicked because two days until I'm leaving, there are two options. I can make another probably almost two hour round trip to the local roof roof rack store. I think we actually talked about this last, last podcast. I don't remember so long ago. I forget. Um, apologies to the listeners. If we did, um, actually I know we did because I'll get to that later. Um, anyway, so I didn't get those. I ordered these ones online. I didn't have them by the time we recorded last. So I can talk about these ones. They came from Amazon. Um, the brand name of these crossbars is called stay there. (laughs) Stay there. Stay there. Yes. You're commanding a dog. Stay there. Um, they're $65, and it comes with all four uprights and two crossbars for $65. Hmm. And they and they lock. They're locking ones as well. Neat. So I didn't get my hopes up. I was like, well, whatever happens, happens. If I get these in time, um, they're Amazon Prime. It's supposed to be like two-day shipping. If I get these in time, I ordered them on a Thursday night at like a midnight. And I was like, they should hopefully be here by Sunday. We're leaving Monday morning. Fingers crossed it happens. So when we got back from um, the wedding in Maine, they were there. I was like, sweet. I'm going to try these things out. And honestly, they're not quite dually quality. Like they're a little rickety when they're not put together. 
But once they're on the roof and everything is cinched down, I have no qualms about these things at all. Like they work really well. They work just as well as any Thule bar ever has. So if you're in a pinch and your car has the front to back um, modern style roof rails, absolutely don't spend $500 total on a Thule setup. Just buy these $65 stay there things from Amazon. I'm sure they're just China made junk, but I mean, they work great. And they, the lock assembly almost looks, like, almost looks just like a Thule lock. The key is the same style key. Um, I don't know if they're easy to pick or break or whatever, but I had no issues driving the car entirely across country and parking in some sketchy areas. So no problems at all. They work really well. So $65 stay there. And I, and I recommend them. Um, the last thing we put on the car was a like a carrier basket off of the tow hitch. We definitely talked about that. How we had to yes, modify it with the weird adapter. Yep. Yep. So that was all loaded up. And once all that was loaded up, the car was definitely overfilled. There's no question. Um, the back suspension was pretty collapsed. Um However, 4,500 miles later, because he went the roundabout route, it didn't seem to be too much of an issue. The only thing I wish I had done before I left was re-aim my headlights. Oh, yeah. Yep. Didn't think about it. And then for the first few nights, we weren't, the first few days, we weren't driving at night anyway. Oh, right. And I was about halfway across the country. And then it wasn't a big deal because when you're driving in interstates, you're not coming at traffic the other way. Yeah. And once we started taking some detours to see some sites and we're driving through like cities and like two lane roads, then yeah, I was getting high beamed a lot. Right. Um, and I felt bad. But at the same time, I was like, I mean, it is what it is at this point. I'm more than halfway there. I'm pretty much there. I'm not going to mess with it right now. I mean, you so. have the benefit right now is like the longest amount of daylight we have. So yeah. And again, we were doing most of our driving during the day. Um, strictly because we wanted to see things and we don't want to drive at nighttime because you can't see things. Right. Like you're driving across the country, you want to see the landscape, you want to see what's going on, and you can't do that obviously after dark. Just everything looks the same after dark. So, where'd you go from I'm Niagara gonna, Falls? I'm going to try to do my best on this uh, description of uh, geography and uh, timeline. <laughs> but <laughs> as anybody who listens knows, my geography is bad. And sometimes I think that Texas is in front of Louisiana or something. Okay. Going east to west. That's so fine. I, I left Niagara Falls. Yep. And we went. Oh, wait, before you get too far, I have never done an overland crossing to another country. So we drove the cross track into Canada. Oh, yeah, yeah, That's the first time. Like yeah, every, every other time we've just flown to overseas or something. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, the Canadian border guard was not super thrilled to have just people rolling up. You're like, dude, you're the one at the Niagara Falls border crossing. What do you expect? Yeah. What is it? I mean. <laughs> he was just, like, grumpy. He's like, it, how long are you be here? Yeah, we're going to make, I don't know, a couple hours. Like, what do you, <laughs> what do you want me to tell you? Yeah. Yeah, you can't I'll, lie. I, pro- I promise I'll come back. I don't want to stay here. Yeah. yeah, you can't. You definitely can't lie. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've I've heard that people are pretty grumpy about that at the border right there. Coming back in, the guy was super nice on the American side, but the surprisingly, the Canadian guy was really grumpy about it. Well, actually, it's funny because when I flew to Canada to buy a truck with a friend, yeah, um, I get a really grumpy border guard in the airport. Yeah. 
because I got there and I got the, he go through customs. And he's like, what's your purpose coming here? Uh, I'm here to buy a truck. What? There's no trucks left in America. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I see how this is going to be. <laughs> and then it yeah, was, it's no fun. It was funny too. Cause we're sitting there and I'm like, like sniffing, like, and like, I'm like, Stephanie, it doesn't actually smell like maple syrup. Does it? I'm imagining this, right? Like somebody must be leaking coolant. No, it was yeah. like there was like a shop like cooking something like with maple syrup, and I was like, "This is too real." Like it's that's awesome. Probably somebody had gone through the border and tried to smuggle it. I fell at the bottom of the car and smashed it. Yeah. <laughs> well, whatever. All right. So after Niagara Falls, where'd you go? Uh, after Niagara Falls, we went east. Um, I'm trying to think of where the first place we stopped was because I know we went. All the way through. Did you go through Cleveland? New York, Cleveland, um, Chicago. We may have stopped in Chicago first. I think you did. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we did. Um, we wanted to see like you know Navy Pier, Pier and all the other typical touristy things in Chicago. Um, it was raining. It was crappy. Navy Pier is not worth your time. Sorry if you're a Chicago listener, but it was it was like an ocean town, like boardwalk without an ocean. So it's just rainy, cold, and windy in June. Um, and there's literally nothing to do there. It's just tourist trap shops, restaurants, and then I'd say a quarter of the beer is owned by Miller Lite. And they just That's have all accurate. these like yeah, these like Miller Lite like pavilion and Miller light beer stations. And it just doesn't make much sense as a place to go. I mean, they have a, a Ferris wheel, whatever. Um, and you can take boats out onto obviously the, uh, the great lakes, but I, I, yeah, sorry, Chicago unimpressed. Did you get a hot dog? Seemed it seemed like Boston. No, most of the street vendors weren't open because any, it was raining out. Any deep dish? Um, we did get Chicago deep dish pizza, but we didn't get it until we were in Colorado. Oh. And in fact, we made that joke when we got to Colorado. Um, I'll skip back to Colorado in the future, but we uh, drove all the way across country, and we met friends in Colorado, and we got pizza there. But it was Chicago deep dish pizza in Colorado. So All right. So after we're Chicago. We to, to make up for it. Uh, After Chicago, we kept going west. I think um, you went we straight went, to Mount Rushmore? We went through, like, Iowa. So straight um, to Mount Rushmore? Straight to Mount Rushmore. <laughs> Wait, yeah, Mount Rushmore's first, right? Iowa's after. Uh, Mount, I, Mount Rushmore is in the Dakotas, correct? Mount Rushmore is in South Dakota. South Dakota, one of the Dakotas. I know that much. I don't know what the difference is between. I know one is north, one is south. Yeah, one is above, one is below. They're in the middle of the country. Very, it's very simple. Um, let's see. So I went to. I'm gonna pull up a map of the country here. I've heard of some people rolling up to Mount Rushmore and then it being foggy and then they can't see it. So I saw that you at least got yeah, you at least got pictures of it. All right, so we went New York, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Indiana, Illinois. Then we went up into Wisconsin. Oh. Across Minnesota. Oh. Down into Iowa. Don't you get strange on me. What's that? I said, don't you get strange on me. Yeah, absolutely. I crossed to South Dakota. 
South Dakota is where we stopped next, I think. That's where we saw um, Mount Rushmore. Mount Rushmore, really cool. Is it? Um, it seems like it's really big, right? It's really big. It's not really big. It's not? It's not. I mean, is it like also... I, mean, I, don't, I don't know how tall the Mount Rushmore faces are. Okay. Um, but they're pretty far away from you. So it's not like you walk up on it and it's like these huge imposing faces in front of you. Do you remember seeing like the old man on the mountain as a kid? Is it like yes. that? Uh, obviously it's more realistic looking than that. Yeah. Um, how big was that? Cause I, 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 I guess that each head of these is probably, I don't know, 50 or 60 feet tall. I think it was about the same, but you were really farther away from the old man on the mountain. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. I'm thinking of pictures I've seen of people carving Mount Rushmore, and like a man on the face of it is like like, like a like a guy in the face on the nose is like half the height of the nose. Yeah, so that's fifty or sixty feet seems probably right. We can Google yeah, it, but we're nice. not going to. I just actually I, I just did it sixty feet. Did you go up behind there and and find the secret vault with the gold in it? Uh, no, I did not. Unfortunately. Okay. Um, I also was told to look around the back of the mountain because none of them were wearing pants. But I also believe <laughs> that wasn't that wasn't true, so I didn't go for that look. <laughs> uh, no, it's really it's really neat in person. I was a little nervous driving all the way there because I had heard reports from multiple people that it was kind of underwhelming. Oh, I don't know why. Like what? I, I don't know why either. Um, the roads going to it are fun, picturesque. There's tons of stuff to do in that part of South Dakota, obviously because of it being near there. I mean, you see everything um, once, like yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know why you wouldn't want to go see it. It's it's beautiful. I mean, and the fact that they did that in you know early 20th century is pretty impressive. That they were able to carve like an amazing likenesses of these four presidents in the side of the mountain. Yeah. I mean, it takes a lot of planning, and they did a pretty damn good job of it. Like you, you, you walk up to it, and you can see exactly who they are without even guessing. There's a giant all... Native American one out there too, isn't there? Uh, carving in a mountain? Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. If there is, I didn't see it. Hmm. And uh, I will have to go back sometime, maybe, and see it then. But I did not see that. So then we left South Dakota, and we went south to Nebraska which is where the highlight of the trip for me was, which is Carhenge. I vaguely heard of this. So I've always wanted to see it. I knew it existed because it was like, it opened in 87. And I remember reading about it in Car and Driver magazine in like probably like 89-ish. I think it was one of the 10 best issues, mm-hmm. um, which they used to do every January, I think, or December, one or the other. Um I remember reading about it in one of those magazines way back in like the late eighties. And ever since then I've wanted to see it. Never thought I would see it with my own two eyes. Um, we were just trying to hit as many States as possible just to say we'd driven in all those States, Yeah, which is why we did, you know, Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Wisconsin, Iowa, South Dakota, Minnesota, sorry, Minnesota, South Dakota, Nebraska, Wyoming. Um, so we're in Nebraska and we stop at a rest stop and there was a sign for it on the wall. And it gave a like vague directions to where it was. So we walked back to the car. We checked out like where it was along our route. It's in Alliance, Nebraska. Okay. 
Um, it added probably about an hour and a half to our trip total. I was worth driving it. Driving for 50 hours. It's not a big deal. Um, totally worth it. If you're ever in Alliance, Nebraska, <laughs> or anywhere near Alliance, Nebraska, definitely check it out, whether you're a car guy or not, because that's really neat. It's yeah. as close to one-to-one scale of Stonehenge as they could have made it. Weird. So they used cars that were like approximately the same size of the stones in Stonehenge. Um, the guy built it as a tribute to his father, who was just just an eccentric guy who wanted to do something to be a tribute to his dad. And this is what he decided to build. Yeah, and it's not... That's pretty much the end of the story. <laughs> yeah, and it's not like... Uh, they don't let you graffiti it like they do at Cadillac Ranch. There's one car you can graffiti. Ah. And they put one car you can graffiti there for that reason, so people don't graffiti all the other cars. Ah. Um, they just leave it gray because Stonehenge is gray, and obviously you can't graffiti Stonehenge. Weird. Yeah, it's quite strange. Um, but it's really neat, and they have a couple of small side displays around you know, the edge of it. There's a couple of sculptures made by other artists. Um, one is a salmon spawning upstream, but it's made out of like all car parts. Um <laughs> There's another one that's a half-buried first-generation Honda Civic. Um, and it just says, you know, here lies the America, here lies the import cars of the 70s. Came at a time when American manufacturers needed to be awakened. Huh. And they were. Yeah. So job well done. Now you can stay out here and be buried. <laughs> oh, weird. Yeah. And then there was uh, an interpretation of Vivaldi's Four Seasons but it was the Ford seasons oh. and it was all made with, you know, 60s and 70s Fords buried in the ground, which is kind of neat. Um, and there were two, what do you call them? You bury things for a long time, dig them up later. Time capsule. You know what I mean? Time capsules. There were two time capsule cars. Um, one of them was buried by the high school class of 1940 and 45. 44 and 45 as like a remembrance to World War II. Weird. Yeah. Um, which was supposed to be unburied in 2025. That's kind of cool. They buried it in, I don't know, sometime in the 80s maybe. It says in the thing. I, I should have written it down, but I didn't. I did take a picture, which I actually posted to the auto on top of the page. It's a, like an 82 Cadillac. Hmm. That's kind of neat. Um, and... Yeah, that's pretty much it for that place. It was it's pretty neat. And the person that it's a little store there, so it's kind of a cool rest stop along the way, like a store and clean bathrooms and um just a neat little roadside, you know, roadside America, you know, it's just one of those attractions people put for whatever reason and it stays standing all these years later and it's still there. So and no hmm. worries to any like car people that are mad about the buried fifty seven Chrysler, like they're all super rusty Nebraska cars. Like these weren't cars that were taken off car dealers and or taken out of people's collections and buried in the ground. These were all clearly dragged out of local junkyards. So uh, one thing I did find interesting about it at the Cadillac Ranch, nothing had a drive line, right? No, okay. not that I could tell. Didn't so seem like it. Most of these cars still had engines in them. Weird. Yeah, which I thought was very strange. I think it'd be easier to move them and lift them without them, but whatever. Uh, and all the glass was taken out of the cars for obvious reasons. Yep. Um, and they were enclosed with like sheet metal where the glass would be. Hmm. So I'm like in Cadillac Ranch, they had glass in them and then, then 
over the years. People busted the glass out and they just stayed open, right? I think so. Yeah. So it's very similar, but but also you know different at the same time. So from South Dakota, we went to Wyoming. Um, nothing spectacular in Wyoming. Lots of cornfields. Sounds about right. Yeah. And then, well, I think there was there was another roadside attraction we drove by. I think it was in Wyoming. Hmm. Uh, nope, sorry. We're going back to Illinois. So if you go back to Illinois, there is a one-third size copy of the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, it's called the Leaning Tower of Niles. And oh, that's half size. Uh, the Leaning Tower of Niles is in Niles, Illinois. Um, and that's another thing that we just stumbled upon driving down the road. And apparently it's a pretty big tourist attraction. Um, but yeah, so we saw a copy of the leaning tower of Pisa, a copy of Stonehenge, uh, and last road trip, we saw a full size copy of the Parthenon. So it's a pretty ridiculous thing in this country that you have all these like copies of famous landmarks around the world. But I feel like I've visited all the places now. I don't have to go see Leaning Tower of Pisa or the Parthenon. <laughs> or even the Eiffel Tower. I saw that in Vegas. <laughs> so that was kind of fun. I mean, you could, but... <laughs> yeah, no, obviously these are nothing compared to the originals, but still. Uh, so anyway, that's South Dakota. Went to Wyoming. Um, again, nothing in Wyoming. Went from Wyoming to Colorado, um, where Colorado is beautiful. I don't know if you've ever been to Colorado. You have, right? Pikes Peak pretty much is the only place I've been. Colorado is gorgeous, and I'm assuming a lot of it looks like Pikes Peak. It's a lot of red rock. Yeah, it's high desert. Yeah, lots of canyons, lots of mountains, lots of elevation change. Mm -hmm. Um, Just absolutely an amazing place. I I really like Colorado. And you met uh, Yeti Overland? I did. Yeah, we actually finally hooked up with Eddie Overland. Um, he gives us crap all the time about not being places where he goes to, so I went to him. Cool. Um, we met at a brewery um, and actually met another friend of ours who lives in Colorado, so it was me and Naomi and the two of them. Um, really cool guy. Really good to hang out with. I look forward to off-roading with him. Um, so we're talking about, you know, Moab is like halfway between where he is in Colorado and where I am in Phoenix. Sweet. So it's about six hours for each of us. So we can be in, we can all be in that area and go off-roading up there and off-road with his friends and off-road with our friends. And it'd be kind of cool to meet, especially in Moab. It's a neat place. So yeah, that was cool. Definitely down with that. Had a good time. Route 70 in Colorado. Mm. It should be a bucket list. Yep, should be a bucket list trip for everybody. Hmm. Um, it goes pretty much through the entire state. The road cuts into canyons. So mm-hmm. basically, if you were to build a road at the base of the Grand Canyon right, that ran along the Colorado River, that also mimicked a train bed next to it. 
and then went in out of the canyon up and around that would be like driving down route 70 it's I see. the whole the whole road is just a picturesque amazing if you don't live in the area once in a lifetime experience like i i really would like for people to come visit me in arizona to fly into colorado just so i can go pick them up and drive them down hmm. because it's pretty damn amazing um the elevation change is ridiculous. At some points, it's like 4,000 feet. At some points, you're at 10,500 feet. Yep. Um, we were there on June 16th. Um, at some points on June... Sorry, June 14th. At some places, there was still snow on the road. Yeah. So Because you're at 10,500 feet. Do you end up going over the Continental Divide? Uh it's not marked if you do hmm. or if we do we missed it hmm. continental divide i'm gonna make some terrible radio here and look that up real quick yeah but i you know it's somewhere because uh i believe jordan when he talked about his overlanding trip through colorado he went up went up and over it there's some yeah, we were in some a different pass. area yeah we were in he was we were in a different area of colorado than he was yeah um so i'm not sure that's okay. Here. After that, you pretty much just dropped into. Yeah, we 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 must have, looking at where it goes. Mm-hmm. But I don't I don't know. It was it wasn't anything that was marked, if we did. Um. So yeah, you go up ten thousand five hundred feet. There's snow on the ground. I mean, even with the turbo, the cars are pretty gutless at ten thousand five hundred feet. I'll tell you that. Oh yeah. It's uh, there were a few times in the highway I had downshift into fourth from sixth. So that's okay. Um, there are truck turnoffs, like uh, like runaway truck ramps, every mile or so, because coming down from ten thousand five hundred feet is just like gnarly elevation change. Like it's a seven percent grade, so it's pretty steep for a long distance of time. And you get to the bottom of them, and you like catch up with traffic, and all you smell is brakes all around you. So it's not like hmm. maybe people don't downshift the way they should but all you still breaks at every rest stop every like you know bottom of the downhill period always breaks um so from there obviously we kept going south um south of colorado we went straight through utah uh real quick um, so if you were on i-70 out of denver yep heading west you went through the eisenhower tunnel and yes, that takes you, you under did. the continental divide Instead of going over the mountain, you're going under it. Okay. Because basically yeah, the, the continental Eisenhower. divide is the Rocky Mountains. Okay. Yeah, we definitely went through the Eisenhower Tunnel. I remember seeing that. So Cool. It's funny. I didn't notice anything about the continental divide. We did it, though. That would have been cool to know. You'd think they would have had like a, a little plaque or something, like a sign. You know, and maybe they, maybe they did, and I was just focused on something else. There's just so much to see along that road. Like, just the canyon road itself is just, I mean, it's amazing. Like I, I can't even describe how beautiful it is. It's, it's probably the most picturesque highway, or definitely the most picturesque highway I've ever driven on. So I mean, it's almost kind of a shame that they put the highway in the base of this canyon. But at the same time, it's really neat to be able to be driving down in the canyon and see up and around. And it, it basically it runs a, a good portion of it runs along the Colorado River. <laughs> so, so anyway, so we went seventy west. Um, jetted over into utah 
and then in Utah at the Arizona border, that's where like the um, Monument Valley is. Yeah, I've always wanted to see that. Yeah, so unfortunately, we got there right before sunset, um, and they close off the driving trail at eight o'clock. So they weren't letting any more cars out onto the um, the driving trail around Monument Valley. I mean, you can still see a lot of it from the street, and you can see a lot of it from the viewing areas that they have right before the driving section of it. Um, and it was absolutely gorgeous to stand there and watch the sunset over Monument Valley. That was really neat. So you see the light changing, you see different like colors in the desert, and there was a lot of people that camp right there, um, which we're going to go back, actually, probably in a couple of weeks and spend three days doing Monument Valley, um, Arches National Park, and all that stuff. Yeah, that's because cool. It's, yeah, it's like a three days worth of stuff we could do there. We, just, we didn't have time on this drive across the country, unfortunately, but it was neat to see it. It's beautiful, the sun going down. Um, people camp right there, though, just so they can see the sun coming up. The sun comes up, obviously, on the other side, behind the monuments, which has got to be a sight. So... From that point, um, it was like nine o'clock at night. That was dark out. We had about five hours of driving left, so we just decided to just press on and make it all the way back into into downtown Phoenix, where I now live. By uh, Saturday night, so we'd have all Sunday to recover before back into a Monday morning. So that was good. So yeah, it was uneventful. The car did really well. Um, I changed the oil right before we left. Um, normally on the highway, the car gets about 40 ish miles per gallon on this trip, fully loaded down with extra drag on the roof, plus all that extra weight. I lost 10 miles per gallon, which seemed like a lot until I thought about the fact that most of the country, the speed limit is 75 to 85 miles an hour. So I was probably averaging between 80 and 90 miles an hour all the way across the country. So that fuel mileage of 30 miles per gallon at 80 plus miles per hour average is pretty damn good. It is really good. The last final stretch from like um, southern Utah into Arizona is all 60. And then it goes to 55 to 45 to 35 to 60 to 55 to 45 to 35 over and over and over again. Um, Obviously set up for speed traps. Um, I got like 36 miles per gallon because I was going back around 65 again. So I only lost probably about five miles per gallon with that giant thing on the roof. So can't complain about that. But car performed performed flawlessly as I would assume it would being a fairly new car. And uh, it now lives here in Arizona with me. So it's sitting out in the parking lot, hoping that I'll tint its windows very soon to preserve its interior. But yes, (laughs) Uh, it's mm-hmm. here. I'm here. Everything's good. Cool. That was the story of the trip across the country. There'll be at least two or three more. Sweet. So, um, I had a friend, um, he had an extra ticket to Monster Jam at Gillette Stadium. And, uh, it's pretty wild. So, this is Monster Trucks. Yeah. Like all modern stuff, right? So, they have the tube frames and everything and the crazy. Suspension. Yeah, there's two frames with fiberglass bodies. Yeah, and giant like 500 cubic inch blower engines, right? <clears throat> mm-hmm. 
and like all drive, whatever, full time. They're kind of bananas, right? So it's, I mean, it's totally for kids. 100%. Like, but then again, also when they finally get to the freestyle part and like one of them does like a cartwheel with a, one of these trucks, you're like, really? Yeah, because they can't be light either. No, and they like flip. Oh, that's the other thing. So they'll, the thing is they have to do, so they do this like, the beginning part is like a warm up. They do like a, a race like around the, and this is all inside of a football stadium, inside a Gillette stadium. So it's only yeah. like, you know, what's what's the extra on the outside of a football stadium? Like, you know, it's 100 yards for the field. So maybe it's like 150, like maybe there's 25 yards on each end of it. Right. Uh, 12,000 pounds. Right. So these things, they do like a little lap and whatever. And you're like, oh, okay, sure. This isn't quote unquote, this isn't fixed. Like, right. It's kind of like pro wrestling. Um, I feel like oh, it's definitely staged, and in fact, a lot of characters go back and forth. I think between pro wrestling and monster trucks, or at least they used to. Maybe it's there's all drivers and and like like the first part, like Gravedigger, like broke. That's really the only one I like recognized, uh, and then it like went away, and you're like, okay, cool. I really wanted to see that, and then. Like right. halfway through the end, they're like, "Oh, they fixed the truck. They're back." You're like, oh, "Okay, <laughs> yeah." <laughs> um, and then they, like, you wait for the middle part. So the middle part is the two wheeled competition. So you have to do some sort of trick that you're on two wheels for as long as you can, and you get like two tries of it. And then, of course, it's like all crowd voting via like cell phone. So they, oh really? Yeah. So like, because I, I went <laughs> a few years back, and it wasn't that yet. No, it was that. So like, they'll they'll do what they call a bicycle. They try to get the things on two wheels. They like drive around, and they get up. The biggest thing they'll do, and like the grave digger guy did it really well. They'll put it on the nose, on two wheels, and go forward, and go backwards, okay. and like go up an obstacle backwards, and then like forward down the obstacle. It's so kind, it's pretty impressive. Like a, like a stoppy on a. So it's like. All right, it's a 12,000-pound BMX bike, right? Oh, okay. <laughs> and they'll – and then, like – so, like, that's pretty cool. And then you go through the mall, and some don't do it very well. Some do much better. Um, and then there's this one guy, like, his truck was already kind of broken, and he gets the freestyle section. It's, like, the – I don't know, the Saigon Smasher or something. It's, like, a – it's got a Jeep pickup body, like an old Jeep pickup. It's all army green. This video of it. Very racist. Yeah, there's a video I put up on it of uh, him racing Gravedigger, and he like rolls it over, so he immediately smashes the truck like right out of the gate. And then they go to the freestyle thing, and he comes out of the tunnel, like the with the tunnel that the football players like run out of. He comes out of that tunnel full bore and hits a jump. It's Saigon <laughs> Shaker. Saigon Shaker, and goes sailing into the air, and then lands and just shatters the axle off the truck. <laughs> You're like, amazing. You're like, all right, that was pretty cool, but now it's just broken. And they just immediately come out and like move them off. And they just keep... yeah, they have like a giant tractor to move yeah. them with. And they just pile, they keep piling up all these broken trucks along the side. That's and awesome. then, like, uh, they have one specific junk that's like set up, and you'll see the person like stages. They get up to it and they hit it, and the truck does a complete backflip. You're like, whoa, like that's pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like a couple of people could do it, and then one like did it, and like the rear shocks like flew out of the back of the truck. <laughs> it just 
blew out of it. And like, it's just like kind of crazy. And then somebody like went off an obstacle and then like turned in the air, probably like tapped the brakes and like landed on the front right wheel. And then like did a slow flip over to the other tire. Like did a cartwheel of the truck. Like it doesn't, (laughs) this is stuff you do with like an RC truck. Yeah. This is a 12,000 pound. Yeah. Real vehicle. So, I mean, if you have young kids, it's, like, super fun to, like, bring them. Like, they'll totally be into it. <clears throat> it's a little – I was a little underwhelmed because I've seen, like, a lot of crazy motorsports, but that's just me. Like, if you've never seen anything else, you're like, this is pretty crazy. Right. You know, I've had rally cars jump by me at over 100 miles an hour. With, you know, yeah. I'm only feet from them, but, you know, this was, like – Yeah, well, we're we're a little <laughs> yeah. we're a little jaded when it comes to a lot of car stuff just because we – gone to so many things but i I, this is like so easy because it's like in a stadium you don't have to go anywhere you just sit there and it just happens all in front of you so you sit there and drink your beers yeah watch trucks go around basically what you do yeah which is really the genuine thing that monster trucks are supposed to be yeah i really wish that there's actually there's actually the official monster jam uploaded the highlights from um that particular event oh yeah onto youtube yeah um, and actually, one of the highlights they show is Gravedigger walking the truck backwards in the front wheels. Yeah, it's cool. So, and when you see it in yeah, person, you're like, neat. you're like, whoa! All right, I didn't think you could actually do that, but interesting. And then, yeah, and then I'm watching now the Saigon Shaker do like 100 feet in the air. So. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty crazy. <laughs> the amount of height they get is just ridiculous. And then uh, they have like automatic kills on them, and then. Uh, it was cool for the fans. They had like a F three fifty set up like a monster truck with seats in the bed, yeah. and it's not doing too crazy of shit, but it's it driving people around yeah. in the back of a. They have like a long stairs that comes down like on the back of duck boats, and you get up in there. So it was pretty cool. I wish that there was a uh, event that had classic monster trucks just to drive around and do like a little exhibition run. Like seeing the original, like solid frame setup trucks would right. be really, really cool. Like, I wish, you know, maybe eventually one of these like speed festivals, you know, like Sonoma or like Historics or something will have like a, a special exhibit of like a monster truck. Like during downtime in between run groups, that would be pretty cool. It would be cool, but it probably won't happen. <laughs> I, I feel like people would be into it. Like, you just had like a little Bigfoot exhibition and it just like ran down the front straight of like a racetrack. That'd be pretty cool. I'm just, Maybe. Yeah. We'll see. So that was a fun I, thing. I, I'd like to see it, but it's definitely not a normal. Um, I feel like most of the historic racing groups are too, uh, too high end to consider monster trucks. Maybe. All right. Like you don't see a lot. Of, you don't even see a lot of NASCAR stuff at. Yeah, this is true. I mean, I went to the Walter Mitty Challenge a few years ago in at Road Atlanta, and there was vintage NASCARs on there. And everybody there hates it. Because it was, and maybe it's different now, but this is back in like 2006. It was literally just people that bought like five-year-old NASCARs and had no business driving five-year-old NASCARs. It was just a giant crash vest. It was all yellow flags the whole time. So, but maybe things have changed. I don't know. I actually saw um, Monster Trucks myself probably maybe 10 years ago now. 
but I saw them in an ice skating arena. Whoa. Right. So I didn't get the whole experience that you got. I saw them at the Dunkin' Donuts Center in Providence, Rhode Island. <sighs> yeah. So it was like the cars would drive, or the trucks would drive out of the, like the tunnel in the end, hit the gas, like that, done. Hard on the brakes. Hard turn. Blah! Stops. Done. Hard on the brakes. Hard turn. It was so underwhelming. <laughs> you couldn't see do anything. Because I remember growing up watching like the VHS copies of them where they were in like these giant fields in South Carolina doing like 100 miles an hour. And that's what I was hoping to see. But obviously I knew going into it that I was in an ice skating arena and it wasn't going to be very big. I know. I can only imagine seeing them in an open area would be really cool. It'd be amazing to see them like get up to real speed. I mean, mm-hmm. those guys, they go like 30, 40 feet in the air, it looks like, without any speed, just based on the ramp design and the suspension design of the trucks. Yeah. So it's crazy. All right. Uh, project car updates. I can't remember if I well, covered <sighs> my Subaru Fenderliner escaping on the highway. Definitely did not. Uh, So I was driving at highway speed in the right front liner. Like I started hearing a whistling noise and thought it was a blower motor. went to turn it off. And I was like, what? And I look and the fender liner has exited the car. And the person in the BMW like hit it behind me and like swerved. And I was like, ooh, sorry. Whoops. I'm just going to keep going because there's nothing I can do about that. Um, Yeah, maybe it just looked like it was in front of me and I hit it. (laughs) <laughs> maybe maybe hopefully hopefully no damage is done hopefully no damage is done and a listener of the show or <laughs> no friend of theirs is a listener of the show oops and it's like hey remember that fender line you hit in the highway the other day i know who did it <laughs> so last saturday uh jordan and our other uh, friend andy we went to a local junkyard they needed some yep. parts for the rally gti or or aka spaghetti yep uh stuff to help with the mark three engine swap so i went along and uh, I found an Impreza and I pulled the fender liner from it and it was only $12. Perfect. It had all the hardware and all the brackets. It was like $105. Yeah, exactly. I was like, I'm not putting a brand new fender liner on a car with nearly 200,000 miles on it. That right. is silly. I don't know how it came loose, but. Snow probably. Most yeah, stuff probably weird. broke in the wintertime. Snow, snow like compacted against it. So I like took a walk around the yard because I like to do that, and it's uh, Brandybrow in Plastown, New Hampshire. Yeah, which and is kind of a neat yard. It's a pretty well organized yard. Super That's well organized. Uh, Other ones around here that aren't. No, most cars are stacked on railroad ties, mm-hmm. and it's only one car high. So like, you can pick and pull in relative safety of not having a car like fall on you. Correct. Uh, and it's also like the car isn't just dumped in the mud, and you're trying to like get stuff. Which is super annoying. Um, yep. And it's organized well by make. And it, it's weird too. They had, so I'm over in the Volkswagen section. They had like two um, Ronin body style S8s. Yep. Just like sitting there. They probably need a transmission. And then like regular A8Ls. You're like, what the hell? And they're all like silver. This is crazy. Yeah. They all need transmissions. Um, That's common on those. So, you know, I want to see what else they have. I'm walking around and. Walked down around the corner to like American trucks and didn't have any full size Monteros. It's a bummer, but those are pretty few and far between now. 
But surprisingly, there was a 76 Eldorado coupe sitting there. Which is random. Really completely. Especially in a like, New England junkyard. And it was definitely like the oldest car in the yard. Yeah. And, and the picture as you put of it up, it didn't look like a bad car either. It had some bubbles on the top of the fender. I don't know what happened okay, to so it. I mean, it had no drivetrain in it. so But it didn't look like it ever got hit because the car was straight. No, but it was probably r- very rusty underneath maybe. Yeah, but not super rusty. It was weird. I don't know. Anyway, it's been pretty well picked, but it still had some stuff in there. And it worked out because we needed the full seatbelt setup for the 75. Correct. It's not the right color, but that's fine because we're using the belts in the meantime while I have the originals repaired. So the over-the-shoulder, this these three-point belts are really weird. They have two retractors. They have one in the roof. One on the side of the seat and the floor. And instantly when I installed the replacements, I realized why the guy cut the -the over-the-shoulder belt out of the car in the 70s. Because when you're trying to pull the belt over, either the top or the bottom is locking on you as you're trying to do it. So you have to pull it very slowly. Well, that was, I mean, mid-70s was really the beginning of the three-point seat belt. Yeah. So they were just learning how to do it. And two retractors wasn't wasn't uncommon. Yeah, there were some cars back then. The three point seat belt would be like a separate belt on the roof and a separate belt on the floor. Right, that's the way I thought this was set up, and I didn't realize. So I had originally just sent the top part to the place to be restored, and then I saw how it was set up, and I actually emailed them, and they're like, "Oh, we're about to email you because we need the bottom parts." So the the top part of the belt loops through the male part of the buckle for the bottom belt. Okay. So the bottom belt, the reels are in perfect shape. They just need to have the new belt looped around them, but that needs to be done at the place. So I sent him, sent him all the, the parts. Nice. So eventually the car will have the correct red belts back in it. But for now, it's yep. just got these weird I'm tan sure belts. Too hard to, in, too hard to install. Oh, they're super easy to install. Yeah. I haven't done in like 10 minutes. And then we needed a backup light switch, which uh, I didn't know where it was. I would have grabbed it on Saturday. But So what ended up happening is... I told my dad the car was in the yard, and we went back on a weekday. And we grabbed a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then he was shocked at how, like, inexpensive it was. He thought it was going to be way more expensive. I was like, no, no, it's going to be cheap. Yeah, All the stuff we parts. needed, yeah. We even found two horns that worked for, like, a second and then didn't work. Oh, they stopped working? Yeah. The guy on the phone told you yeah. last time. Yeah, the old-timer told me that with the Cadillac junkyard in Boston. Yeah. That He's like, oh, I pull them off, and they work, and then they don't work. Um, and, uh... It was like $62 for everything. Which is amazing. So that's two seatbelts, two horns. Yeah. So cheap. Was any of the plastic on the car any good? No. Okay. No. It's all torn up from the Cause sun. Because that, that would have been awesome. No. The plastic filler panels. Oh, no. Those uh, are those are long gone. Yeah. There are filler panels that go between the like the taillight and the quarter panel and the headlight and the fender. Yeah. And I already have new so ones they, on they order. break on those. I have new, okay, new ABS replacements. Not fiberglass. They'll last, they'll last longer then. Yeah. Awesome. But other than that, uh, that was really all it needed. Uh, we did a couple extra things, replaced the wiper blades, made sure the washer pump was working, and then my dad took it for a sticker and got all inspected. It's got plates on it. So Perfect. The weather actually Has got better today. Uh, he drove it. Uh, I might drive it later or... She looks like a good well, night for cruise night. We're recording on a Wednesday, so you should go to the cruise night show tonight. Yeah, yeah it's... Uh, it's a lot better than it was earlier. So, yeah, maybe we'll do that. And uh, either that I was going to do it Friday afternoon. But, yeah, take a little spin. 
take your spin, get some pictures, and yeah, I want to get some nice pictures of it. So that was pretty Obviously, cool. Better pictures once you fix the uh, yeah the filler panels, but at the moment you could definitely do the uh, and then as o- is pictures and yeah, and then otherwise I've just been uh, I was kind of looking at the town, figuring out how I can install the front mount. Oh, I thought you were gonna fix all my cars for me when I left. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, fortunately, I haven't worked on anything because obviously I was on the road for a week. Yeah. Uh, and now here I am, um, in Arizona, but I don't actually currently have a garage or a working area yet. Yeah. Uh, which is fortunate because I would have bought like thirteen different cars off the local Facebook Marketplace already. Yep. So. Um. Oh, quick note on uh, events. So the Southern New Hampshire Cars and Coffee was postponed due to weather on the 16th of June, and now it's going to be on the 30th of June. Okay, excellent. Yep. Is so, there a date for the July one yet? Um, probably. I mean, go on Facebook. and <laughs> good, good answer. There should be. It should be. I think they're all laid out. Um, well, I, I was thinking I, I'll be around for a couple weeks in July, but then I remembered that. Well, you I can have. go on the Facebook and uh, yeah. look it up. We're going to have things both weekends on there anyway. So. Yeah. All right, cool. So I think that pretty much covers everything. I think this Absolutely. sounded decent. So Hopefully. as always, you can follow us on Facebook, Auto Off Topic Podcast, Auto Off Topic on Instagram. Follow me on Instagram, Raised in Anger. Brad, where can they follow you? Uh, TSISS350. Cool. All right. Keep your cards analog and aim for the roses. <laughs>